What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Victoria Moon, also known as Maddie Moon, and I'm here to bring you some really awesome insight from Alexandra Jamieson, the original hipster hippie raised on an old organic farm outside of Portland, Oregon. Alexandra is a best-selling author, functional nutritional and life coach, positive psychology practitioner, chef, podcast host, and cravings whisperer. She's been seen on Oprah, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Martha Stewart Living, CNN, Fox News, USA Today, and People. Alex delivers inspirational keynote speeches and workshops around the globe and was declared Elle Magazine's coach for January 2015. Alex was the co-star and co-creator of the Oscar-nominated documentary Super Size Me and the Great American Detox Dietland offers remarkably sane and tasty advice on how to detox, live healthfully, and feel fantastic. Alex's podcast, The Crave Cast, debuted as number one on iTunes in alternative health and continues to draw listeners from around the world with new perspectives on health, cravings, and sexuality with top expert interviews. Her new book, Women, Food, and Desire, hit number one on Amazon on several lists, including Popular Psychology, Sexuality, and was the number one release in Spirituality plus Self-Help on Amazon. Also chosen by Goop.com as the top nonfiction winter book and Bustle.com as one of 12 books to help you through a tough divorce. Her book, courses, podcasts, and blog guide the reader to embrace their cravings as their allies make peace with food and heal and reclaim their body. Me and Alex had a conversation offline a while back where we just kind of talked about our histories, our past, what we're working on. That was a great moment for me because Alex is someone that I really look up to, Alexandra. She is a great role model. She promotes nourishment in every area of life without shame, without guilt. And she's really changing the course of um, how we see both food, shame, sexuality, and cravings. If you want to check out her book, Women, Food, and Desire, go to maddiemooncom slash WFD. That stands for Women, Food, Desire. And then you can get uh, her new version of the book in paperback. So I'm really excited about this. I can't wait to head on over. But before we do, I have to give you the re- the review of the week. Five stars comes from Sierra Grass or Grasse or Grassi. Um, she says, Moon Review. Having competed in bikini competitions in 2014, it was great to listen to someone with such similar interests and views. I would definitely say that your point of view on things was spot on. I especially like the New Year's Resolution podcast because it made me realize that they do not have to be big resolutions, but the idea of starting fresh and making each goal count. Thanks, girl. You are so very welcome. This podcast is brought to you by the free video training series, Stop Fighting Food. This video series is for women who feel depleted and frustrated by countless weight loss attempts and generally feel trapped in the diet binge cycle from hell. If you identify as an emotional eater and feel out of control in your behavior around food to the point where you find yourself face down in a jar of Nutella, you absolutely need to check out her free videos. Don't let poor body image or disordered eating guilt keep you from enjoying life's simple pleasures anymore. Sign up for her free series at maddiemoon.com slash sff before October 9th to receive access for the videos. And I know I already shot you two links, the one for Women Food Desire and for Stop Fighting Food. If you want to get both of these things, 
All you have to do is head on over to maddiemoon.com and you'll see the episode with Alexander Jamieson. And then you can get all of these links and all of the links that we mentioned in the podcast episode. That's always the easiest thing. So go ahead on over to maddiemoon.com slash mbm67 for episode 67 and you'll get all this jazz and see the show notes for this awesome, awesome podcast episode. But for now, I think it's time to head on over and hear what Alexandra has to say. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. So how are you doing, Miss Alexandra? I'm well, thank you. My my book just hit number one on Amazon and paperback over the weekend, which is very exciting. And yeah, so we're kind of in mid-book launch this week. I love the cover of the book. Thank you. What inspired you to do that? Actually... The hardback, I don't know if you saw the hardback, but it's more kind of biblical looking. Mm -hmm. It has a snake and an apple kind of referring to Eve and her desires. Um, And for the paperback, they just wanted to go in a different direction and see if they could attract a different crowd. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's you know, it's sexier. It's more like a Fifty Shades of Grey cover. That was exactly what I was thinking right now. I was mm-hmm. like, I wonder if I should say that. I don't know if she likes that book or not. <laughs> Everyone has such a opinion on those books. Oh, I enjoy it. I've been, you know, I've been reading erotica since I was like a teenager. So <laughs> I, I enjoy some good escapist fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So um, I want everyone to hear as if they don't already know. You know, everyone knows your story, at least a little bit, but maybe not in this light. So if you could just dive in and give us your background and what brought you to where you are today. Sure. Well, I grew up on an old organic farm outside of Portland, Oregon. My mom was an organic master gardener and had an organic gardening radio show for 10 years when I was a kid. So while we weren't farmers, you know, it was it was a hobby farm, but we did grow a lot of fruits and veggies and herbs. So I really knew where my food came from. I had this, you know, basically I was raised by hippies. Let's face it. <laughs> my parents were total hippies. <laughs> I was doing yoga from the age of five. And I still had this insane sweet tooth and junk food desires. I think probably because my parents wouldn't allow it, I wanted it more. So I actually started sneaking off to Sunday school of all things. I started going to church by myself at age seven because I found out the kids in Sunday school got cookies and Kool-Aid and I wanted treats. So my parents let me go to church. Uh, Little did they know it was for sugar. 
Um, and I, you know, I just, I spent all my money growing up, you know, I had part-time jobs and babysitting money. And I spent all that money basically going to the mall, hanging out and eating drunk that my parents wouldn't buy for us. And by the time I reached my mid twenties, I was really sick. I, uh, I, I moved to New York city and within a few months I started putting on a lot of weight and I was having a lot of health problems. I was exhausted all the time, like brain fog. Um, I was kind of low level depression, just not ever really happy or energetic. And I had migraine headaches almost every day, which was was horrible. I had all this back pain. Uh, I have scoliosis and usually, you know, with exercise and good clean living, I can keep it in check, but it was always bothering me. So I was taking handfuls of Advil every day and eating more and more sugar and caffeine to get through the afternoon. And I finally went to a doctor and asked for help. And, you know, I I walked out of the office with prescriptions for painkillers and Prozac And I just didn't want to go down that path of masking the symptoms. I wanted to find out what was wrong and not take medication for it. So I went to another doctor and he asked me what I was eating. And that spurred this whole whole conversation about what I should be eating instead. He was a more holistic functional medicine doctor. And I started reading everything I could about food. And, you know, it, it, I responded responded to it emotionally because I thought, oh, like this is how mom was trying to raise us when I was a kid. And I went back to that and I I went to the library to get some books that he had recommended. I love the library. So much great information there. And I found this book on veganism called Diet for a New America. And I had never heard of vegan before. I didn't know what it was, but I read the, the book I was like, oh, oh, this is cool. Like, I can be an environmentalist and eat for my body. And I like animals. Like, I should totally eat like this. <laughs> so I started a, a whole food, clean, you know, no sugar, vegan diet. And within a couple of weeks, I felt amazing. Like, the headaches went away. The extra 30 pounds dropped off. You know, my my mood, everything came back to a healthy, happy place. So I just got so passionate about veganism. I went to culinary school to become a vegan chef. And right about that time when I started culinary school was when I met Morgan. And, you know, he was a budding filmmaker and I was this budding food activist. And we started dating. And about a year later, we came up with the idea for Supersize Me. So his idea, you know, based on a lot of our conversations, uh, one specific conversation where these girls were suing McDonald's for their health problems, it's like, well, what if I just ate nothing but McDonald's for a month and we'll see what happened? Well, he got very sick and we filmed it and that became an Oscar nominated documentary. And for the next 10 years, I was a professional vegan. I wrote three cookbooks. I counseled people on, you know, experimenting with a vegan diet to see if it helped their health issues. And then we were married, we had a kid, and then our marriage started crumbling. You know, I was now in my mid-30s. My hormones were changing drastically. I was exhausted and really, really anemic. And I started craving meat. 
And that was not part of my business plan <laughs> to mm-hmm. crave meat. <laughs> you know, I'd become this, this professional vegan known for eating and writing about food in a certain way. And I was exhausted and nothing in the vegan framework was helping me. I tried everything for over a year. And I finally just thought, you know what? I need to, I need to listen to my body. My body is salivating when I see a burger. I haven't had meat in a decade, but maybe this would help. You know, I've I've been listening to my body all this time, and I won't let myself go this step because I'm putting moral judgments on meat eating. And I thought, you know, I have I've always had cats growing up. I would give them what they needed to eat if it was going to help them be well. And I know that there's people around the world, like there's cultures like, you know, uh, Native American tribes, uh, you know, the first peoples up in Canada and Alaska, like most of their diet is meat. And I know that's true around the world. So what if there's a part of me that needs to eat meat now? So I started secretly eating meat and physically I felt so much better so much better. But emotionally, I was still totally tied up in knots. You know, I'd really uh, started to develop for the first time a real disordered eating. You know, orthorexia is this obsession with eating correctly. And that's what my vegan diet was, especially that last year where I was sick and refused to change what I was eating, even in the face of the evidence that I needed something else. So here I was struggling, you know, I didn't feel authentic because I was secretly eating animal products, but writing these plant-based recipes for other people. And while I still love vegan food and plant-based recipes, I just realized after kind of a year of struggling back and forth, like, I just need to be honest with the world and tell everyone that I'm now eating meat and this is the deal. So... I don't, I don't remember if you saw that or not, Maddie, but I kind of came out as no longer vegan a couple years ago and the backlash was huge and swift and crazy. Thousands of comments, thousands of shares, death threats, actual friends unfriending me in real life, not just on Facebook, uh, it caused quite an uproar, I think, not because it was just not just because it was me, somebody had written some vegan cookbooks. But because the backlash was so intense and so public, you know, the public shaming has become rampant in our internet culture. But people saw that I was being like raked over the coals. And they said, this is crazy. Like, you can't espouse, you know, uh, a conscious, you know, not, you know, not harmful lifestyle as vegans and then be so cruel to a human being. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not, not, I'm not going to pin this on all vegans. I certainly do still have friends who are vegan and I still think it's a great uh, way to eat for many people, but it just wasn't right for me. But it's really hard for us. And you know this too, Maddie, you know that it's really hard for us to, listen to our bodies and change what we're eating when we define ourselves by how and what we eat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's so spot on. I couldn't have said that more perfectly. So first of all, I remember the moment 
I was watching Super Size Me. And I like hearing you talk, it just makes me feel really grateful that I have this opportunity to even speak to you. But thinking all the way back then in the day, watching your story, and I was in high school when I watched it. And like, I had no idea what was in store for, you know, you or for me and like this moment where we can come together and talk. So I think that's so cool. Just thinking back to like, you're over there filming this and then I was watching it and I was just like in awe of that mo- that documentary. And I don't watch many documentaries and I remember it made such an impact on me. And I went vegetarian as well. And I also went vegan. And so I can relate to you in a very, very, very small sense of just like having some specific cravings and not allowing your body when it came to being a vegetarian because then I hadn't gotten to my most severe disordered eating patterns yet that came really with the fitness but um what would your advice be to someone who is kind of going what you're going through where they're experiencing they kind of feel like a I wouldn't say hypocrite but if they did feel like they were presenting something on the outside to the world, like in a blog, and on the inside they were suffering so much, but they just kept pushing it out, hoping that no one would see through what they're going through. So let's say an eating disorder. Someone might have like a healthy living blog and act like everything is all together, but they may have a very severe eating disorder. Would you say that coming out and talking about it is healing, or should that person go a different route and just... um, start doing more soul searching and figuring out what their body's really desiring. What would you recommend? I, you know, this is a really interesting topic because so many people did end up writing to me. They they still do sometimes, but immediately after I, I kind of became the vegan confessional booth and other women who were experiencing their own health challenges and had been vegan for years as well. They came to me and said, God, I'm going through the same thing. My body, I'm not doing well. And I feel like I need to eat some animal protein, but I don't know what to do because all of my friends are vegan or my partner is an animal rights activist. You know, they didn't have the community and support to explore what their next step might be. So I I consider myself very lucky in that I always had a really diverse group of friends. I never, you know, I never, you know, went vegan and like ditched the rest of the people in my life. Like, you know, about a third of my friends were vegan. So finding community and having people in your life who are there to celebrate your wins, support you during your challenges, that is the best thing I can recommend because this could, this is true for discovering how you need to eat. It's true, you know, in changing career paths. It's true in exploring new relationships. It's just we need other people. That's the, you know, I'm a student of positive psychology. That is how you describe positive psychology. Other people matter. That means that the people you hang out with most you're going to pick up their habits, their ideas. You know, there's a, there's this idea that you are the five people you hang out with most. So you pick up on their mannerisms, their thought processes, everything. And it's as true for positive habits and well-being as it is for negative habits and destructive behaviors. So, you know, when you are considering making a big change, 
I really recommend that you get close or rely on or, you know, talk with the people that you trust who are going to love you through your evolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that there is a time when those people that love you and, and you trust need to kind of um, pave the way for you? Or do you think that most people need to hit rock bottom before they decide they're ready to change? Hmm. Gosh, you know, everyone, everyone picks a different point. I think it's really so individual. Mm-hmm. It sure helps if you know somebody who's gone down the same path that you're looking at. I think that's why people, you know, that's why people follow you. That's why people write to me on my website, you know, because we are talking about our experience of going through these changes. Yes. So let's talk about cravings because you, the craving whisperer, uh, know so much about cravings that just blows my mind. Like I love, love your book. It's really, it's really been helpful for me to understand cravings more and how they're essential to our life. And instead of just turning away from them and trying to shut them up, listening to them and like learning from them, which is Mm. a concept I never really thought about before. Tell us about your point of view on cravings and the type of culture we've been we've created and how we view cravings like collectively and what needs to change yeah yeah craving is a it's an old story you know the the cover of the original version of my book was an apple with a serpent kind of alluding to eve and how her desire for knowledge for food for the apple uh was a sin And for so many of us, our cravings and desires, which mostly are physically based, it's a sensual experience to desire and crave, uh, they are labeled as wrong and bad. And I think that cravings or desires are really just information from your body that you want balance in some way. And, you know, I'll talk about the four root causes of cravings in a moment, but From such a young age, women, especially in this culture, I'm speaking for the Western woman, especially the American woman, that we are taught that our bodies are dangerous, that we have this one precious gift, our virginity, that we're going to lose and don't do it wrong or don't give it away too early or don't the wrong person. Or if you lose it, you've lost something valuable that you can never get back. And there's a lot of pressure put on that, a lot of moral pressure, a lot of family pressure and religious pressure, um, and a lot of peer pressure as well. And it beca- so our bodies and what they naturally want, and it's very human for children and adolescents and teenagers and adults to want sexual pleasure. I mean, it's built into us evolutionarily for pleasure to feel good for procreation for sex for touching for intimacy to feel good it's built into us so that we will procreate and the species will go on right Mm -hmm. but we're taught from a young age to ignore it to deny it that it's bad don't touch yourself don't lose it so for women for young girls from such a young age our bodies become the enemy in some way and sex becomes dangerous So that makes food safe sex for a lot of us. Mm. 
because it's the only physical pleasure that we're really allowed. And, you know, put on top of that, the fact that so much of our food is currently processed, chemicalized junk food that really lights up all the happy places in your brain. So our only source of pleasure is food. That gets very hairy for women. It gets really complicated for us because we're also givers and we give to other people more than we give to ourselves. We put our own needs at the bottom of the list, which is great for parenting um, to a certain extent. You know, it, it helps us be good parents. It helps us be good friends. But it also means that we are we are starving. Women are starving for pleasure, for joy, for ease, for relaxation. And that gets translated into emotional eating habits. Now, there are four root causes of cravings that you can start getting curious about. And that's what I really recommend. Get curious about your cravings. Take the judgment off like this is good, this is bad, right? That kind of diet mentality, that's not getting us anywhere. It's not helping us at all. So just get curious. And the four root causes of cravings, you know, where your cravings might be coming from and how you can answer them in a way that builds your life up. The first is bacterial imbalance. You know, you are nine to 10 times more bacterial than you are human cells. And when you have an imbalance of bacteria, you know, quote unquote, bad bacteria like candida yeast or fungi, they crave sugar. That is their fuel. And they communicate with us via our nervous system to crave sugar. So if you have a bacterial imbalance, you will crave sugar and carbohydrates more. So getting that balanced, if that's one of your root causes. The next is nutritional cravings. And a lot of us are overfed and undernourished. We're eating too many processed foods that don't have a lot of minerals and vitamins and trace elements in them. So we do need to eat foods that give us the basic building blocks for basic functioning, right? One of the foods that women crave the most is chocolate. Well, chocolate is actually a great source of magnesium, and most women are walking around with a magnesium deficiency. So I encourage women, if it's a, like, if we see that it might be a nutritional craving to eat more magnesium rich foods, like hemp seeds, chia seeds, certain sea veggies that can really help reduce the nutritional aspect of chocolate cravings. And then there's the emotional cravings and the physical cravings. You know, we, we can talk more about emotional craving, you and I, in a moment. But basically, we are emotional creatures, all of us, men, women, full stop. We bring emotion to the table. We bring emotion into everything we do. We try to think that we can be rational human beings, and we often are. But food is one of the most emotional things that we do in our lives. So stop trying to not be an emotional eater. Just start getting more aware about how your emotions feel to you, about how stress plays itself out in your body, right? About how you are feeling when you crave. That's what you need to start doing. Not Don't stop trying, you know, don't try to not be human. It's okay to feel. It's good to feel. We just need to sit with it and examine it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, it's the physical cravings. And I talked a little bit about sex and how 
physical pleasure is one of the greatest parts about being human, you know, having fun in your body, play. We crave movement. We crave touch. Humans need physical touch and we learn best while playing. We have a better experience in our body when we're having fun. And most of us as adults, we don't, we don't do that. We don't play. We go work out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. We get exercise in. We get our exercise in. Well, what if your movement was joyful and fun? You know, I, in my house, we have, we have toys. I've got a hula hoop. I've got a slack line upstairs. I've got hot pink roller skates. You know, my movement has to be enjoyable or I won't do it and it won't do me any good. Exactly. And you're such a great role model for that. Like, I think that one of the biggest problems with people that are trying to work their way out of the mentality of disordered patterns, whether it be food or physical fitness, is it's always in terms of diet and exercise, because those words are everywhere. And exercise trains your brain to think that you have to burn something off. It's not just going out to have fun, to have fun, because that sounds pointless. It's like you have to consider it a real workout. You have to, or if it's not a real workout, you technically didn't do anything. You didn't do anything for your body that day. (sighs) And that's when the guilt happens and the shame and breaking that train of thought, breaking Mm -hmm. that pattern for me personally was one of the biggest um, helping hands in regards to my relationship with food. Because once I could finally see how my body wants to feel, I I could really understand how my body wants to be fed. Yes. Yeah. See, that is what this requires. It requires joy, you know, really making friends with your body. That's where this book, where my work is going. And I loved talking with you earlier, Maddie, about how you just started walking. Like, I'm just going to walk. And I'm going to feel my body as I move in an easy, pleasurable way. It's not going to be about beating myself into a certain shape. It's going to be about moving myself and seeing how that feels to be in my body. And here's the other thing. You know, biochemically, we women especially need to feel pleasure when we move. Otherwise, it doesn't do us any good. You know, men and women can be very different. And as we grow older, especially this can happen where if we feel stress, emotional stress and and or physical stress, too much of it when we're working out or exercising, it actually has the opposite effect and it causes us to hold weight because our cortisol goes up, our stress hormones goes up, our hormones become imbalanced, we aren't able to lose the weight. And so many of us are experiencing adrenal fatigue And when your adrenals are fatigued, you end up doing more harm than good when you work out too hard. So really just consistent moving every day in a way that's pleasurable and joyful for you will have better effects than trying to get in an hour every morning between, you know, 4.30 and 6.30. And one of the like huge differences that I realize is when I'm actually doing said movement, whether it's exercising when I was going and running on the treadmill for an hour or I was going for a walk outside, the biggest change that I could really visibly see was what was going on in my mind. So I guess that was mentally, but I could really tell there was a difference going on in my mind because when I'd be on 
the treadmill, I would have self-loathing thoughts. I would have thoughts like looking in the mirror, I need to change this, run harder, go faster. I wonder if I can push myself more. I'm still not going fast enough. I should add on another five minutes, um, looking at myself some more in the mirror and then looking at the TV and looking around and like not knowing what to do and hating it all. And then when I go for a walk outside, I say, wow, the grass is so green. There are so many pretty birds. I'm listening to a wonderful podcast. I'm learning information. My feet feel so good being barefoot on the, on the ground. And before I know it, I've done 15 minutes. That's it. And that's perfect. I feel so good and I'm ready to go back to work or I'm ready to go cook something, just tackle the next fun activity for the day. And that spirals into more fun. It just keeps building momentum of fun and joy. And whereas when I did exercise, it would build the momentum of self-denial. And it was just like more self-denial, more self-denial. I already did an hour of what I don't want to do. So I might as well, you know, hit it hard and go 100%. You know, it just, it can really set the course for your attitude for the day. Right. And think about the language of that as well. Hitting it hard, killing it, crushing it. Very masculine ways Mm -hmm. of talking about being in our bodies. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong. I actually love lifting weights. I love, you know, more masculine forms of exercise. I grew up playing sports. I always really enjoyed it. I love snowboarding. And there is an attitude and an energy shift when women experience their femininity and that shows up for everyone in a different way it's it's really just about honoring your body and how she wants to feel how she wants to move so i have a very specific question for you that i was just i thought about today um okay so i have a lot of people that come to me or clients or friends myself this used to happen to me but let's take the very um popular food peanut butter mm-hmm. or nut butters in general and whenever i i happen to talk about peanut butter a lot or sunflower butter because i love it so much so if i do a social media share or a facebook post anything like that i will receive comments like i wish i could eat it but my whole face ends up at the bottom of the jar every time and i usually always get the examples of people saying i eat all the peanut butter i can't stop so i can't even have it in the house What are your feelings about this? Do you think that for some people they just can't indulge in certain foods because they go overboard? Or do you think that can be changed with um, a certain thing like mindset or anything, any secret you might have up your sleeve? I'm just curious in this specific example, how you would talk to a client about something like this? Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, nut butters are one of those things that women tend to binge on and excuse me. And there's, you know, there's different reasons for this. Now, I personally can only eat so much because my stomach starts to hurt, right? Like I can have a bit of it. And then like, it's too hard to digest. And I think a, a lot of women also experience that. I've certainly heard that in my groups in my cleanses. They're like, Oh, I ate, I just stood there and I ate, a bunch of almond butter in the kitchen, and now my stomach is killing me this morning and I'm constipated. So maybe it's about the, there's two things. It could be a mindset issue 
right? And that means like this, are you just overeating? Are you binging on this particular food? Because, well, it's nut butter um, and it's fatty and crunchy, which hits, you know, a couple of our taste receptors to the, two of the things that we crave, fatty and crunchy, maybe salty as well. But why, why are you binging? That's my question. Is it a mindset thing where you've been denying yourself throughout the day or you have a lot of stress in your life and you're not handling the stress well, or maybe you're not getting enough fat. You know, your body is often smarter than your brain. And one of the reason it craves nut butters is because you might not be getting enough fat in your diet. And there's still a lot of us who are kind of fat phobic. You know, we still have the idea that we should be, you know, avoiding too much fat. We look at fat grams, etc. So, Look at how much fat you have in your diet. Again, it could be that magnesium issue. You know, almonds are a high source of magnesium. So if you're craving almond butter, take a look at that. Maybe it's better to eat uh, other sources of magnesium throughout the day, like the leafy greens, the, the quinoa, the chia seeds, the hemp seeds, or just straight up almonds, not the nut butter, because it's a lot easier to eat you know, a quarter cup, a half cup of almond butter than it is to eat a half cup of almonds because almonds are going to start hurting your teeth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then another nutritional aspect of that is that you might be short on some B vitamins. So are you taking a, a daily multivitamin to make sure you get the B5 and the B6 that might be in there? Um are you eating raw? Like a lot of people on a raw food diet don't intend to come up nutritionally short on nutrients, but it it could be possible. And a lot of raw food folks aren't getting enough fat or protein, and they might be craving nut butter for that reason. And again, going back to the mindset issue is that it might, you might be emotionally binging. And this particular food hits those, you know, happy places in our brain. It's fatty, it's crunchy, it's salty. So look at whether or not it's an emotional issue and an emotional binge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for many people, that is a huge cause. And just having those restrictions ahead of time, knowing, okay, I can only have this much, I can only have this much, or I can't have any at all, makes you want to go overboard whenever you finally have the opportunity to have it. Um, okay, so another question I have for you, when it comes to foods that you really should not eat for sensitivity reasons, mm-hmm. and you crave them, mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? Because that's such a, a tricky area, because then you may start to be sad or like upset that you can't have certain foods you really want to eat. And this is, this is a good thing because for a lot of people that listen to my podcast, it's the opposite where they want to cut everything out. And it's kind of the point where it's like, let's get my relationship with food good again, because they've been experiencing an eating disorder for so many years. So they want to eat the foods, but then you can't eat all the foods again because your stomach might be sensitive to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. there are different foods that give you those same nutritional values, I know you can eat, say, hemp seeds instead of chocolate, but what if, like, you really, really, really are fixated and want that chocolate for, like, your emotional hunger? Like, you just want a little bit. How do you deal with that? 
So I'll give you an example from my own life. You know, there are times when I need to go off sugar completely for, you know, well-being, for physical issues. Um, You know, in the past, I've had a lot of yeast issues and I've struggled with that over the years. So I need to avoid sugar and I still crave chocolate. I love chocolate. So there's ways that you can, there's two things. There's one, there's a mindset way. And then there's two that's like cheating ways. And the mindset thing is I'm very clear, you know, I haven't had, gosh, I haven't had any alcohol, I don't know, in two or three weeks. And it's, I, I don't drink much ever, but I really enjoy a glass of wine when we go out to dinner or when we go to brunch to have a mimosa or something. But I've got, I got really clear a few weeks ago that, you know, even one glass of wine was making me feel really tired and I just don't want to feel that way. So the mindset thing to, to really examine for yourself is how does this food make me feel? Not just now, but in a couple hours, the rest of the day, tomorrow. You know, this is what I call soulful eating, which is different from intuitive eating, but it's, I think it encompasses intuitive eating where, you know, you sit and you're really aware of what you're choosing to eat and how each mouthful feels. You chew completely, you know, you don't get distracted. You're not mindlessly eating. So it's different from mindful eating and intuitive eating because soulful eating for me is really about like, how is this food going to help me show up in my life? How am I honoring myself and my goals and my tomorrow with this food? How is this helping me show up as a mom, as a partner, as a business owner? You know, really like, what is my soul calling for? Is it okay to have chocolate right now? Sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the body's like, no, you don't really need any sugar right now. You're going to be tired tomorrow. Or, you know, you have, you have something in the works and this is not going to help you get that. Um, you know, the other issue is there are a lot of ways to get delicious food into your body by learning how food is prepared a little bit better. Maybe, you know, taking, um, you know, diving into sugar-free baking, you know, we're, we're gluten-free in this house and we eat very little sugar. But I love to make things like sweet potato biscuits. So like for brunch, I made gluten-free sweet potato biscuits. And instead of a quarter cup of sugar, like the recipe called for, I added a little bit of apple cider and one tablespoon of sugar instead of a quarter cup. And it was great. They were delicious. So I'm also, but I'm also very clear. I've gotten really clear over the years on what foods work for me and my body. So I do um, a big online cleanse a few times a year. And when people sign up for that, we all go through together this two-week food sensitivity cleanse. It's all real food. We just take you off of what I call the toxic six which are the foods that most often cause these, you know, that are our food sensitivities. So sugar, gluten, dairy, soy, corn, and caffeine. Now sugar includes alcohol. And all we ask you to do, it's mostly mindset stuff. Honestly, it's eight weeks of mindset tools and coaching. Two weeks of it is taking those six foods out You can eat as much of any other foods that you want, which is a lot. There's a lot of other foods out there that you can eat beside those six ingredients. 
And then we add them back in one at a time in a consistent manner so that you know how you feel when you eat that food. And once you get clear on that relationship between your body and soy or your body and sugar, after you've been clean of it, it becomes a much easier decision. You know, when those cravings pop up, honestly, for most people, they don't pop up that often anymore anyway. But when they do come up, you can really examine it and be like, well, okay, how's this going to make me feel tomorrow, tonight, the rest of the day? And you have something to base that decision on. It's not just some arbitrary food rule. Mm -hmm. The more that I get invested into how food makes me authentically feel, the more I think that these elimination periods are really great. I think for a while I was very... Uh, anti-eliminations of any sort because I was really working on recovering from my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was like, don't do eliminations. Like this is going to put you back into the throes of orthorexia. It'll just be another excuse or reason. So for some people, that's really good for you to watch out. Maybe it's not the right time. But for everyone that really is trying, if, if they've worked their way out of orthorexia and they're just eating foods but not feeling great, Elimination diets don't just automatically throw you back into that mindset. It's a choice to have that mindset. You can change that mindset you have towards any single event or action, including elimination diets. So I've had to do this recently, and it's a completely different experience than it ever was before. Before it was always, yes, I'm doing this because my body is going to look different. Hallelujah. Like I'm Mm -hmm. cutting out foods because my body is going to get thinner. And that was my goal, which is why it did not work. And now for me, it's really what makes me feel good because I want to figure this out for the sake of my energy and for the sake of my just digestion. I have to figure these things out. So I think your program sounds fantastic. And mm-hmm. I love the support aspect of it because this is this can be very tricky. Different people handle it in different ways. So it's good to have a system where you know that you're not alone in it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not about restriction or deprivation either. It's about healing your body with food while you heal your relationship with food. Right. It's always about healing, which I think is the missing piece for people that go into just diets. It's just diets. It's not to heal. It's to look different. Right. So so this is about nutrition and nourishment. And I love what you said, uh, soulful eating Mm-hmm. If that's on a book, you should write it. I think that that should be the next book that's on my desk right now. <laughs> I should, I should, I'll, I'll work on the proposal right now. You should. It sounds wonderful. Okay, so I want to get. Oh man, there's so many things I want to ask you about. Okay, first of all, I want to quickly touch on um, the system you wrote in your book. I don't want to butcher this word, but Ayurvedic system. Ayurveda. Ayurveda. Your personal. Ayurveda system and how you describe the different types of bodies. Can you touch on that? Sure. So I did not invent Ayurveda. It's 5,000 year old medicine from India. It's kind of the traditional Chinese medicine of India. It's what Deepak Chopra was, you know, raised in and what he uses. It's basically a system of medicine that looks at food and herbs and lifestyle yoga as a way to Uh, avoid disease and treat disease. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's very holistic. And uh, there are three body types and energy types called vata, pitta, and kapha. 
Now, those words mean nothing to the Western ear. In English, we don't know what that means. We don't know how to relate to it. So I rebranded the Ayurvedic doshas or body types into the cravings types. And I call them featherweight, firebrand, and earth mama or earth papa. And those three types, and, and many of us are dual typed. I'm kind of featherweight and firebrand. These people, you know, you will have certain balances and imbalances, certain strengths and certain weaknesses uh, in your body. And you'll have certain energies and personality based on this type. So the featherweight tends to be a bit taller or a bit smaller or shorter, but a bit thinner, kind of an airy, you know, disconnected from their body, a little bit flighty kind of personality. They can get very cold. They can have, they can get very dry. They have cold and dry conditions. Um, they can often have a hard time putting on or keeping on weight and they, you know, they'll have a certain set of imbalances in their body. Whereas the firebrand will be more hot, more aggressive, more competitive. They'll have like um, rosacea. They'll have sweating. They'll have, they'll need more cooling foods to balance them. And also more cooling movement, you know, like open water swimming is great for people who are firebrand and experiencing an imbalance. Um, whereas the featherweight person, they might need more like weightlifting or more slow, gentle yoga um, more rooting foods like root vegetables and um, denser meats and avoiding cold foods. And then there's the, the earth mama or earth papa, which is also called kapha in Ayurveda. And the earth mama can get stuck, can get rooted. They have a harder time losing weight. They, um, they are kind of like, they get muddy, they get depressed, they have a hard time getting off the couch, they sleep too much. So they will need more drying foods and more energizing foods. So things like cinnamon, things like, you know, lighter foods like salads, but also with some protein, not too much fat, not too much sugar, you know, lighter exercise like yoga and walking and aerobics can be great for them. So it's really about like, it's, it's just another path into seeing what your cravings might mean and how you can begin eating different foods to help you feel the balance that you want to feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's genius. Yes. I love it. Um, yeah, I've studied a little bit about it whenever I went to like Deepak Chopra's website and did the quiz to figure out the different types of body types. But I loved the way you described it because it helped me to finally understand what he was talking about and what right. everyone is talking about when it comes to this. Um, so I wanted to throw that in and we're really running out of time. So this is just I'm so jumping around. But I had one more question that I just had to ask you before this interview comes to an end. And going back to uh, sexuality and feeling like you can be comfortable in your skin as a kid, which mm. I want, I'm so grateful for you because people aren't talking about this. They're not changing the way we view our bodies as kids. And I, I really want to get this message spread out. So you have a son, correct? Yeah, he's eight. How are you raising your son to believe that his body is, um, he can be curious with his body mm -hmm. and he can love his body and he can be confident in, in 
doesn't have to meet up to society's standards of masculinity and can just be himself? Mm, That's such a great question. And this is really where there's so much hurt and shame lingering for a lot of us and a lot of fear for us parents. You know, we may have grown up in a house where body shame was just the norm and we don't want that to happen with our kids. So uh, my partner and I, you know, we have started having conversations with him about human sexuality about his body. You know, he has all the books that have all the illustrations. So he knows what human anatomy is and you know, he's a kid. So he touches himself. All little boys do this, all of them, (laughs) you know, it's probably 98% of them do this and we're okay with that. You know, I've had a conversation with him where I said, look, I know it feels good. Like your body should feel good. I want you to be happy in your body. And there are places where that's totally okay to do. And sometimes it makes other people uncomfortable and you can't do anything about their discomfort. So you just have to think like, how am I going to be happy in my body and how, and be comfortable around other people. So we recommend, you know, doing that in your room or not doing it at the table, you know, but having the freedom to still explore your body and see what feels good to you. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. He's, he's like, okay, sounds good. (laughs) Wow. And even opening up that conversation and giving him that safe space is incredible. I, I can't even imagine how, many people would feel more comfortable in their bodies if they just knew at a younger age, it's okay. It's okay to be interested in your own body and not feel shame about it because there's just so much shame about people loving their own bodies in that regard. And, you know, I'm who am I'm not going to say like, do this or don't do that or anything like that. But so many people do and they just say Mm -hmm. it so publicly and they just shame people so publicly for it. And yeah. And, and it's, it's so, it really is very different for girls and boys. You know, even though my kid goes to a hippie Montessori school and he's got a hippie mom, there is a culture around boys and touching their penis and masturbation. It's just way more acceptable, right? I was never told that masturbation was even a thing. And I had no idea that it was okay. Like I didn't talk about it until college probably. And if only I had been told, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is normal. And here's a picture, you know, my parents actually did give me the books that were available in the late seventies. Um, you know, they did give me the book. So I, so I wasn't as afraid of sex, but I didn't know anything about masturbation and it's just so common. I mean, there are hundreds of examples in the animal world of of species doing this as well. So it's just part of who we are. It's just part of being a a human mammal creature Um, and being okay with that, having the conversation with your kids at a younger and younger age. And, you know, that's what needs to happen nowadays. Um, But again, it is different for girls. We don't have the culture that masturbation is cool and acceptable and everybody knows you do it. For boys, it's joked about in movies and TV and, in school. So maybe that needs to change. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I knew that was even something girls did till I was 20. I'm Mm -hmm. 24. So I had like four years of knowing that's a thing and it blows my mind. Like even listening to your podcast, I love your podcast because every time 
I listen to an episode, I'm like, what? What did she just say? It's just like <laughs> opening up my horizons every single episode. And I loved it. Like when you did the um, masturbation month, I was like, what is she talking about? Give me more. I just was yeah, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> this May was the 20th anniversary of National Masturbation Month. And I had on all these different women sexual health experts because you know, like I've said so many times here with you, Maddie, our sexual well-being, our sexual curiosity, our physical bodies are part of our well-being plan. And you can't just go about food restricting in order to change your body. If you want to have a great relationship with your body and love living in her, then you need to start having fun in her now. And I think masturbation is one of the great, free, easy tools that you can start using now. Yes, I could not agree more. So I think that's a wonderful way to wrap up this episode. I want, uh, we have a quick fire round, so we'll go over that in a second. But first of all, I want everyone to check out this book. You can get the new paperback version by going to maddiemoon.com slash WFD for Women Food Desire. Um, but before we go to quick fire round, where else can people find you at? Oh, I, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you must love podcasts. So go check out, uh, the Cravecast. You can go to cravecastpod.com and I've got 54 episodes up. Yay. Okay. So ready for a quick fire round? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what does body freedom mean to you? Oh, body freedom just means like feeling good and feeling empowered to do what I need to do to feel well. What is one of your favorite books that you can recommend to us? Oh my God. Just one. Oh, one. anything. Though. Oh, second firsts, Christina Rasmussen about, um, overcoming loss. Oh, okay. Um, who is one of your biggest inspirations dead or alive? Brene Brown. I just met her this last week. She wrote Daring Greatly, hugely inspirational book for me. Can you share a good quote with us? Mm, my favorite quote. It's from the movie Anti-Mame, starring Rosalind Russell like 80 years ago. Uh, she said, life is a feast and some poor suckers are starving to death. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I have never heard that. I have to oh, you write that watch down. This movie, it's great. Okay, what's the movie one more time? Anti-Mame. Anti-Mame, okay, I'll check it out. Um, what is a future dream that you're working towards? Mm, I'm going to retire to a tiny house. Oh, awesome, I love that. Um, favorite way to distress at the end of a day? Oh, I like to sit on the couch with my kitten and my man and watch a movie. What's a country you have visited and loved or a country that you want to visit? I loved Iceland. I want to go back and I really want to go to Morocco. Last but not least, what is the change you want to see in the world? Hmm. Wow, how do I express that in a sentence? I know, it's probably the toughest, but it's the last one. <laughs> All right. Um, I want there to be really good sex ed in elementary and middle schools. Yes. See, that was beautiful. Short and sweet. Very much to the point. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to the Mind Body Musings podcast. It was 
such a pleasure to have you on. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a while now, so it was just such a delight, and I think that everyone needs to go head on over and listen to your podcast because it's mind-blowing. Thank you. All right, everyone, if you want to get the links to check out her book and listen to her podcast and hit up her website, just go to maddiemoon.com slash mbm67, and you can get all those links. And then while you're there, download 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession and see how you too can start to nourish your body. See you next time. 